Turf Talk. My name is Lewis Tomlinson and the good stuff is back. Cheltenham is back. Two day meeting. We've waited a long time. I am buzzing. We've also got to review Champions Day. There's the old Rowan at Aintree. Tidy little veterans chase up, up at Aintree as well. Just a really, really good weekend. It's my favourite time of year getting to see these good novice chasers, good novice hurdlers. Everyone's still got the hopes intact. That might be changing this time next week, though. Joining me today, as per usual, are the big man, James Watson. Hello. And Chepstow Racecourses, Luca Viscoliosi. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, I'm good. The jumps is back. It's been a long summer, but now the proper racing starts setting and I can't wait. Yeah, well, speaking of of the jumpers, really, I guess the first race on Champions Day went to a horse who lots of people thought might end up jumping last season. He was really prominent in the anti-post triumph markets, true, Sham. Uh, Alan King kept him to the flat, and he's ended up bolting up on Champions Day by seven and a half lengths from Search for a Song and Fajera Prince Holly Doyle, the first of two victories on the day for her. Stradivarius, not himself, down the field after a heavy campaign. What did you make of it, Jim? Um, it, it was a weird enough kick-off to Champions Weekend, and as normal, you should really expect the unexpected uh, at this meeting. And Trushan was always in the right place. I thought Holly, I thought Holly Doyle rode into perfection, sat alongside Stradivarius. Um, the sort of pace melted down slowly. The further they went, Max Vega, Max Vega and Mildenberger sort of kicked on forward um, Frankie never really looked at ease on Stradivarius normally he travels into his race and sometimes he just hits a little flat spot but he picks it back up but he didn't He didn't. I always thought he was slightly just niggling him down his neck a bit every time and he just wasn't travelling so it was clear he wasn't himself he's obviously had a hard campaign over distances that are qu- clearly inadequate for him um, and he couldn't show anything like he showed uh, on Ascot Gold Cup Day. But take nothing away from Trushan. He's absolutely obliterated the field with a Group 1 Irish St. Ledger in behind. The, the forms once again backed each other up there. Um, and he's stayed on very strongly and absolutely smashed this field. He's relished the conditions. He's relished the step up to two miles. Uh, which I'm surprised he's not been tried over that before. Um, and an absolutely cracking performance and thoroughly deserved. And what's a quite a likeable horse, in my opinion. Um, throughout the seasons, he's, he's built his way up from handicaps, uh, stepping up in distance. He kicked off his season uh, in the Buckhound. And yeah, a little bump in the road in the E-bar, probably that wasn't far enough for him in the end. Uh, and he's absolutely obliterated what I think was a pretty decent field uh, in behind. And Mirando's run with more credit than I was expecting. Uh, and next season they can probably give him a proper cup campaign. I can see him. I know he's going on the age of eight next year, but I can see the step up in trip for him helping him as well. Yeah, I agree with you about Trusham being quite a likable horse. He doesn't seem to mind doing the ugly stuff, does he? Mm. Could could he be a gold cup horse, Luca? I think if the ground to come up soft like it was uh, this year, he's definitely going to be in the mix. He's a horse who clearly stays well. He's relished to step up in trip. I mean, he's tried to various horse to have another off day, 
then he could be he could be a very serious contender. But I must I think you have to give credit where credit's due to Alan King. He's been a, I think this season in particular we've seen him we've seen him not only previous good over the jumps but been a very versatile trainer of producing horses like Curda Leon to win the Ascot Stakes and also now Trushan on the flat. It just shows how the highlights and sorry the the training talents of Alan King. Yes, he's probably been better over the flat the past season or two. I'd say if I were, if I was to swing one way or the other, perhaps slightly controversially, given that he's he's better known as a jumps trainer, but he's been he's been doing really really well. Great to see Holly Doyle that, and like you said, Jim, the, the form stacking up. I guess Stradivarius. I hope that's not the last time we see him on a race cross. Uh, Frankie eased, eased him down. I hope he's back next year to try and equal Yates's record. Uh, the next race was a champion sprint, and Holly Doyle got the job done. Once again, now, back in about, when was it, Jim? June, July. I said I thought Glenshear was a group class handicapper. Sorry, a group class horse running in handicaps. When I said that, I, think, I meant I thought he might win a Bengoff or an Abenant. Uh, is it completely and utterly smashed my expectations? It was like when we had Jamie Vardy playing in the Northern Premier League and we were going, oh, he's definitely League Two quality. <laughs> Just a li- little bit of an understatement. Uh, he got the job done from good old Brando, fifth running the race in second, one master back in third. Surely, though, for me, James, the horse to take out of this race was Oxted, who just looked like the best sprinter in the country. A little bit ring rusty off, on soft ground, of the extent over a stiff six. For me, the best horse in this race finished fifth. Yeah, I agree. And and Roger Teal said after the race that uh, he's going for a Dubai campaign next season, which ended up in the Alquaz Sprint, which I'm looking forward to. I, I love it when the English horses go abroad and. Uh, I think he could be a, a serious speedball next season. Um, like you said, he was a bit keen early on, uh, and I think that that just stunted his last little bit of kick towards the end. He just couldn't quite uh, kick on. And I, 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 like you said, I do think Oxted's the best horse in this race. I did watch this race from behind the sofa in the end because seeing Brando making way, I thought, please no. Please not. And he's run an absolute tremendous race. Every season he pops up in one of these sorts of races and nearly gets up or sometimes even gets his head up. And he's been such a stable star for Kevin Ryan in the past couple of years. And at the grand old age of eight, he's just been denied by a nose by, well, Glenn Shiel, who's made all in comparison to Brando. Brando's come from the back and ran on strongly. Um, Glenn Shield got the fractions completely right uh, and held on very gamely and uh, right challenge towards the end but he kept carrying on galloping he, he seemed to enjoy the fight and uh, like you said as well Oxted is clearly probably the one to take out for next season Yeah, what did you make of the sprint Luca? I mean in terms of the champion sprint I was um, impressed with Oxted as we mentioned there I think he's a very nice horse going into next season the soft ground, as we mentioned, probably didn't help. We saw how good he was in the July Cup. And for a long way, it looked like he was probably going to hold on. But I just think he just got a little bit tired towards the end. I mean, I saw the video of Matt Chapman's Twitter page of him videoing Roger Till himself cheering on. And you can't help but not admire the passion from Roger there. And he's clearly a horse they all love in the yard. Uh, Glenn Shield, I mean, he's a horse who's been tried at so many different trips, all weather. And he's really improved. And I think that's testament to Archie Watson and also to, to Holly Doyle, who always gets a fantastic tune out of him. 
where he could go next season, it's it's, it's interesting. I think he's a horse who he could be. He, could he pop up in, an, in another big sprint next season? Possibly so. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Archie Watson there, Lucas. I think it's been one of the most underrated training performances of the season, really, turning Glen Shield from really a, a mile handicapper into a horse who's finished first and second in Group 1 sprints on his last two starts. Another really, really decent training performance came from David Minuzier, who got wonderful tonight to win her first race in Britain in taking the Phillies and Mares. Campaigned over further, mainly campaigned in France this year. Sent a 4 to 1 favourite, beating her main market rival, Dan Malio. We were a little bit cold on this race, James, but the winner's a very, very likeable filly, and she saw the trip out well, and we know she stays further. Yes, she did, and you thought last time uh, in the in France on uh, Art Weekend that stamina really came into her strong suit, and I think it helped here once again, even though we saw that Stradivari struggled with the quick turnaround, that she sort of thrived on it. Um, I thought William Buick rode an excellent, excellent race aboard Wonderful tonight. I thought he did everything right. She, he managed to just get settled in front because she was a tad keen fairly early on. Uh, cantered into the race. Dame, Dame Malio was the complete opposite. Uh, far too keen and uh, couldn't get settled at all. Pulling his head out. Uh, pulling her head out, sorry. And just couldn't quite go the same pace as Wonderful tonight as she was turning the taps on. And then a stamina kicked in and it showed that, um, well, she's almost... I think she might become a bit underappreciated by the English, uh, having only seen her run three times in England previously. Um, I certainly didn't know an awful lot about her um, prior to to a long shot performance. Um, however, this has certainly put her on the map, and you can see next season. You saw what the ground was like at this year's arc. It could aim her towards an arc, you know. Yeah, I know David Minuzier was uh, talking about that after the race. He's almost questioning himself, going, why, why didn't we go for the arc? She's a nice filly, isn't she, Luca? She's a very, very good filly. I think this was probably the story of the day for me. I think in terms of what David went through with Thundering Blue, it was a real cruel blow for a horse who put him on the map when he was just starting out, and Thundering Blue was a horse who... Gave him some big days. I think he won the Sky at York Stakes. I think when Franberry rode him, he finished placing the Jubmont as well. So he was a real star. And to lose him in what was his last race before retirement was a cruel blow to him. And I have to highlight the, tra- the training performance again here. To get this this really good horse to come out again after after a hard race in France, barely even two weeks later, to produce again on Champions Day, it's a highlight. To, it's really a testament to David's training skills there. And I think she's a, a nice horse to look forward to next year. Not only against her own sex, but also against the males next season as well. Yeah, re- really, really good story. Really good training performance. Uh, and like you say, just a little bit Embihar-esque. We need, we need a, a proper solid hardy filly to take the man on our Embihar's retired. And it might be wonderful tonight. Uh, the QE2, Jim, went to France last year as runner up the Revenant. We know he loves soft ground. And he saw this out. Really well to battle to be uh, to battle back from Roseman, who ran a career best there. Palace Pier, probably the cherry on the cake of a disappointing day for John Gosden. Yeah, certainly. And uh, the Revenant had been prepped and ready for this race for 
this year. This was the target from the start of the season, clearly, uh, having run such a valiant race in the race behind King of Change last year. And uh, he had a nice, well, reappearance. Like I said, another horse that seemed to thrive on the quick turnaround, uh, having run in the Wilderstein two weeks before. And he's, he's I, 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 I can't believe that he went off 5-1 to one in the end because I think, looking back at it, that was an absolute steal of a price. Um, he was always ridden to perfection and I have to say, the ride that Pierre Charles Boudot gave the Revenant was superb and uh, he has to be the best jockey in the whole of the world at this moment in time, I'd say, PCB. He's superb. He, he's always got his horse in the right place and he's always there to deliver a challenge and, and I thought he'd give that Superb ride. Um, and did you see Sabuska coming up the near side when the camera come hands back round in the, the slow mo for to finish? I thought Sabuska, I've wondered where he'd gone. He'd run an absolute cracker. Silly me, had took three places instead of four for Sabuska at 80s. <laughs> nightmare, Jim. What a nightmare. Uh, I don't disagree with you about PCB, Jim. I think if I could have one man for the big day, he'd be who I'd go for. He's got. A, he had a good partner though today, Luca. Loves the soft ground, and he's clearly. I mean, even in conditions that don't suit him, he's pretty good. But when the ground's soft, proper top class miler. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Revenant had all the conditions in his favour, and he proved it and he enjoyed it. But we're talking about Sabuska. I was really impressed by how he ran. As we mentioned before, he drifted off out of camera shot and still managed to finish fourth. And it opens a lot more doors for him next season. I think. I think now he's graduated up at Handicap Company and I think he will be a group horse next season. He's an exciting horse to look forward to now. He's only four enthusiastic owners. Asheen Murphy gets a good tune out of him and I was really impressed with, with how he ran. He's a massive price. He outran his odds and if I was um, William Knight I'd be very excited next season of where I could possibly place him. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Roseman ran well. He was a horse I was... I wasn't far off putting up for my turf top 12 at the start of the season. Might have gone better than Satono Japan, who got beat at Wolverhampton at the weekend. Uh, he ran a good race at twenty-eight to one. Palace Pier, look, the, the grounds are the grounds are viable excuse enough for me. Uh, he lost the shoe. We know he's better than that. I'd be happy enough to put a line through through this, especially in a division that generally looks a little bit weaker than it did six months ago. Uh, the QE two, Jim. We've just talked about that. The champion stakes. Thank God for this. Thank God for Champions Day being rescued by a day. Nine to one. Both of us put him up at ten to one. Both of us put him up in the RTR nap comp. And he got the job done from the front. Really impressive beating fellow Mudlark Skeletti Magical. Interesting ride in third. I think it's fair to say from Ryan Moore Serpentine. Another Really decent effort in fourth. But Jim, I, I just really, really admire a Dave, the ultimate pro. He is, and uh, now he might finally get the credit he deserves, because he really does deserve to get his head in front in a Group 1 in England. Because, I mean, everyone will say he's won Mickey Mouse Group 1s uh, in uh, Australia, but the form of them... They were good! There was, I'm not the biggest advocate of Australian racing, and I've slagged winks for many a year. <laughs> but I tell you what, the form of some of them races have come out so strong. Um, we've seen very elegant, um, 
win, uh, run the other day. Um, won the Caulfield Cup. He did, uh, beating Anthony Van Dyke, turning them all there. Um, and on them ground, on that ground, a day he's absolutely different gravy. Um, he, he, he goes over it as if it's good to firm. Um, and he, he, perfect ride by Marquand. And they're, they're the kit. It felt like a changing of the guard at this Champions Day with the jockeys. You saw, well, not you, you young up and comers because they've, they've been around for years. But we all know about. But your Detories, your Moors, were sort of brushed aside by your Marquand, Buicks, and Doyles, and they. It was. It felt a bit symbolic, as if like their time's over now. I, I don't want to say that, but. Um, it felt like they were sort of cast aside, and that sort of showed by the ride and the Dave against Magical. Now I'm Ryan Moore's one of Ryan Moore's biggest fans. I, I think he's a tremendous jockey, and he's argue, arguably, I think the credit, the, the stick that he gets, he doesn't really deserve. Because it, look at it this way: if he'd have rode Palace Pier the way Frankie did, I think he would have got a lot more stick than what Frankie got. Frankie got next to nothing. Um, I thought he, he did most of the things right with Magical, just didn't get the run, and then as soon as he knew he wasn't going to win the race, he sort of let her, go, let her down a bit, and just ease her, ease her towards the line, um, because he know that she's she's more than likely going to be going to the Breeders' Cup and bigger fish to fry, so I thought that was a logical thing to do by Ryan, the race had gone, Marquand had kicked, and once again, PCB in third, uh, in second, sorry, give his horse an excellent ride, give his horse every chance to win, but just wasn't quick enough with a date. And it was superb to cap what has been a pretty dismal tipping-wise Champions Day with a nice 10-1 to winner to almost finish the car. Yeah, I know on, on Twitter I, I put almost immediately after I put, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad a Dave silenced the doubt was proved he's a proper Group 1 horse. And the top two comments underneath were, he's only a soft horse, on, he's only a Group 1 horse on soft ground and Magical would have won with a better ride. So I'm like, all right, definitely not silenced the doubters then. Fair enough. Uh, Luca, what did you make of the champion stakes? I mean, I I think it's a mental, uh, to be honest, argument to say that Magical would have would have made the ground up under a different ride. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I am. I mean, just quickly talking about it, Dave, I was quite surprised how he went off nine to one. He had all these conditions in his favour. The soft ground's always a plus for him, and whenever soft ground comes up for a Dave, you know, nine times out of ten he'll perform. And he did on the day here. Thought we mentioned before, Tom Marquand gave him a cracking ride. They're a great partnership. We saw it down under early on, early on in the year. And it was good to see him get in front over here. I mean, he's a horse who just, he just really loves the conditions. And it was really good to see. Disappointments were probably Mishriff and Lord North. I thought Mishriff, he just seemed a bit fresh during the race and probably used a bit too much petrol up too early. Serpentine blew the start and it blew his chance. We've seen before in the derby, if he can go forward, he could be a tough horse to peg back. But he missed the kick by a couple of seconds and that really put an end to any sort of chance he had. Yeah, another as well, abysmal performance from Japan, who really should be running in Swinton hurdles. Uh, another point I want to take away from this race is how mint is it that Pivotal got a Group 1 winner again this year? Pivotal's first Group 1 winner was before any of us three were born. <laughs> Say no more. James is 22 <laughs> next month. <laughs> What an outstanding stallion. You know, probably the most influential dam sire of recent years, to be fair, but he can pop suns out as well. 
and what an absolute legend he is. Great to see him get the job done. Uh, I don't really want to spend too much time on the Balmoral Njord uh, completing a double for Tom Marcon and Jessica Harrington, solid stone second. Jim put Greenside up in third at 33-1. to one. So a good shout from him. General Champions Day points. <laughs> it baffles me that a lot of people still don't like Champions Day. I think they don't like Champions Day because it's called Champions Day. And that's not really how it acts. Because the Cheltenham Festival is kind of what the National Hunt season revolves around. And they're kind of the championships. And I think some people kind of see Champions Day wanting to replicate that on the flat. Whereas it's never gonna, it's never gonna be like that. The, for me, the Champion Stake has, has never been a more prestigious race than the Eclipse or the Judmon. You know, whereas obviously the Champion Hurdle is more prestigious than the Fighting Fifth or the Christmas Hurdle. So it's not, it's not quite the same thing. And I've seen reasons why people have slagged it off this year. First of all, people not happy that no Colts won, only Geldings. We don't, you know, what do we want? You know, it's, we don't want, I can't say we don't want Japan to win, but you know, Japan versus English Kina group one? Nah, thanks. We want the best horses to win, I don't care what the genitalia are or if they have any at all. Uh, I'm here for the racing, and I want to keep as good horses in training as long as possible. For me, if we have to geld them, we have to geld them. I know it's, I know we want, I know it's better for the breed if Colts are top class, but look, the, the breeding really should be a byproduct of the racing rather than the other way around. We don't want the tail wagging the dog. In my opinion, people unhappy that it's on soft ground. I love it. It gives a different dimension. I don't kind of like the idea that good ground, fast ground horses are somehow more worthy than soft ground horses. You know, the idea that it's only, you know, like like a day being knocked up immediately after. He is a proper group on horse on soft ground. Just as Gaeth, you know, is better on good. Anthony Van Dyke needs it quick. It doesn't. It doesn't make them any worse of a horse. That that some horses are suited to better conditions. You know, different conditions. It, I, I like the variable. And if not, well, what's why? Why don't we just run every ten furlong group one round York? You know, every two months. What that is? That's NASCAR. <laughs> really, without variety. And, you know, look at who likes NASCAR. You know, rednecks off the face on moonshine. And, Jim, you're from Lancashire, so you're the closest thing we have. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't you go spouting your mouth about Lancashire. Great and Manchester even you, I'm from. sure, would think that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, I take all your points. I, I do agree with the the far superior horse on better ground than softer ground. I, I think that's a load of rubbish. Um, I, I, I know I'm not Ascot's biggest fan I don't, I'm, I, that might pee some people off is Ascot really the right place to be having Champions Day do you not think it should be our new market well I'm glad you mentioned that Jim because another thing people have said was you know it should be a test to find you know, it should be on the, as fair a track as possible etc etc you know, it should just be a test to find out who the best horse is when it's possible. We have our most important race of the season at Epsom Downs. <laughs> a track that's vertical. 
you know, you, it's, it's like putting a 100-metre Olympic final over the big red balls off Total Wipeout. <laughs> and no one, no one moans about that. So, I'm not having it. Champions Day is mint. I will fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> can we talk about some jump horses now? Oh, I. Oh, I. Yes, we can. The first Cheltenham meeting of the season. What a last little card it is to get stuck into. We will start on the Friday. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday. So we do have Friday decks. Saturday and Sunday is only the four days. So we might not quite be as accurate with who's actually turning up. The first race we want to talk about at Cheltenham on Friday is a 225 match book. Better way to bet, novices chase. Best price is 9-4 to four, Galvin. 5 to 1 Soldier of Love and Mossy Fence, 6 to 1 Dr. Duffy and Ask Dylan, 10 to 1 Condor Caitlin, really, really tidy 6 run and obvious chase. The outsider is coming here off a 5 timer after winning a grade 2 next time out, and she's the outsider of 6. That's how deep it is. Strong race, Jim, and buzzing. Yeah, like I said, you've given it a perfect introduction and um, full of fascinating rivals. You've got the the summer jumper in, in Soldier of Love. You've got Galvin, who's had three chances over, over fences and won all three so far. Uh, sorry, I tell a lie. Last yeah, season it, as well. Yeah, at the start of last season. Sorry. And the, uh, the other thing is, I uh, I think I, ba- I backed him for the Northern Trust one. So did R- I. RIP. Um, and you've got M- Mossy Fenn, who's... Um, Got good novice hurdle form, so a fascinating renewal. Uh, Luca, do you have a strong fancy? Um, I look at the race, not really a strong fancy. I mean, I've watched a lot of Soldier Love in the summer, and I've always felt it's a horse who can race a little bit lazily at times. I think he wanted to have a couple of starts ago, and Bryony Frost rode him, and she managed to do a great job to get him home. He just didn't seem to jump well, ran in snatches, and he's got to travel and jump a hell of a lot better around Cheltenham if he's going to try and get competitive here. Arsfield and Fergal Bryan's horses are flying at the moment, so you have to take into consideration anything he runs at the moment, he's flying. Paddy Brennan's been in good form too. It's a, it's a tight little race, and I can't really find, I can't really split anything at the moment, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest. There's one I like. There's one I like, and it's one of the chasing debutants. I am surprised Mossy Fenn is 5-1. to one. Because physically, he looks, I know it's a cliche, but everything he would have done over hurdles was a bonus, and he was a well above average hurdler. We all talk about how good the Ballymore was, and how almost everything in the Ballymore looked like a chaser. We've already seen the sixth Shamblu absolutely dance up at Weatherby in what was a decent little race on paper. Mossy Fenn finished a place ahead of him at Cheltenham, and also put him in his place at Warwick earlier in the season. Mossy Fenn was a better hurdler than Chamblou mm. and physically looks likelier to improve even further over fences. Now, I see Mossy Fenn as being a three miler in time. This is where he starts off his season after being primarily over two and a half. Um, I, I was chatting to Carl Hinchy in the summer. His owner, they, they think they've got to stay in chaser all day and it was always about the fences for him. I'd I'd hope look this this is a this is an ass because you've got Dr. Duffy coming over from Ireland who, you know, has been winning good races, took a Mayo National and was placed in a Kerry National 
on his last two completed stats. Galvin, obviously. Aiming him for the National and Chasey season, which is a bit of an odd one to me. He doesn't immediately strike me as an out-and-out stayer. Uh, in fact, they've never even tried him over three miles, really. But he's, he's coming here off a free-timer in the summer. Very, very close to beating Imperial Aura at the Cheltenham Festival. He's a horse I'm... I like going forward. But I'm... I'm just not sure whether this is Rave Soldier of Love, like like Lucas said, on a five-timer, a summer jumper, I'd be disappointed. Well, maybe not disappointed, because it's, unf- it's unfair to pigeonhole summer jumpers as just summer jumpers, especially this early in the season, with the benefit of race fitness. But I've hoped there might be one or two of them. And we talked about Ask Dylan a week or two ago, Jim, when I was quite keen on him when he was entered to make his chase debut and he didn't end up going. He ended last year in the stairs hurdle. The third goal, Brian, yeah, I'd like Luke said, are absolutely flying. He's a good recruit to chase him. He's a good recruit to chase him. And Clontor Caitlin was a little bit of a revelation. Look, it was probably the worst grade two novice hurdle of the season. She won at Kelso last year. But she's a, she's a filly who tries and grafts and was absolutely dancing up, at, up north earlier in the season. Rainer's world who was third in the Mayor's Novice at the Cheltenham Hurdle. She gave an eight-length beat to at Weatherby on Boxing Day. You know, she, on that form line, she wouldn't have been far off the best me, the best female novice hurdler. Well, she probably was the best female novice hurdler in Britain last season. I mean, Willie Mullins Farms, the festival race, but she'd have been a real threat had she gone for it. <laughs> There's six fascinating animals in there, but I hope Mossy fends the best of them. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think Mossy Fenn's the most exciting out of this lot. Um, you've said that the, the, the case, and uh, I, I think that novice heard that Warwick will turn out to be fairly strong. I, I mentioned, I'm sure I mentioned Decor Elon days um, in, in another podcast in a, in a couple of days' time. Um, but just, like I said, I, I was, was impressed with Sham Blue at Weatherby the other week, uh, and I think Mossy Fenn. We saw him pitched in in the Ballymore, and I thought he ran with a lot of credit. Um, just a bit one pace towards the end, just didn't have, didn't have enough gears to, to to go through. And obviously, that was a top class race. And I think five to one's a fair enough price about a horse taking its novice chase debut. Yeah, anything more from you, Luca, on this really tidy little affair? Uh, if I had to go for one, I'd probably go for Ask Dylan. I just think he's he could be an interesting horse and. It's just really for the fact that Fergal O'Brien's in a good form at the moment, and it's it's a tough race here. You've mentioned Mossy Fenn; he could be anything at the moment. It's just a, a, a very intriguing race. In if I had to pick one, it would be Arsted. I, I look. I know. I know. I'd bum off staying chasers. I absolutely love them. But these early season novice chasers, where you're getting so many different form lines, novices, senior hurdlers, and like I said earlier, where everyone's hopes are still intact. They might be slightly better. I love this time of year. I absolutely love it. Uh, the other race from the Friday we're going to discuss is a Bentley Flying Spur handicap chase at three thirty-five, and the best price and the best prices nine to two for on the slopes. A podcast project to get him to win the Grand Annual last year failed. He didn't go, and he won the race. He won the consolation race at Kempton the day after. What a nightmare! He may or may not be involved in this year's Turf Talk 12 as well. That'll all be revealed tomorrow. 
Uh, Rouge Viff, 5-1. to 6-1, Skardoula. 7's beating the judge. 10's Hatcher. 11's Ballywood. 12's Dolos and Cat Polly. How is Dolos only 7? Uh, 20's Azure. 22-1. Bar them. Luke, I'll come to you first, mate. I really like On the Slopes. Are you with me with the favourite? On the slopes, well, I'm, I'm kind of stuck between uh, Rouge Vidal on the slopes. Um, on the slopes, I was at Kempton when he won the consolation race from the Grand Annual. An impressive performance. His run on trials day is just absolutely rock solid. You have to look at the form of Imperial Aura, simply the bets, first and second. Gary de Jouy went out to France recently. He won a nice pot out in France too, so the form is looking quite solid in that race. Uh, Rouge Vidal as well, he ran a, a decent race in the Arkle. I was impressed with Warwick because they only won the Kingmaker. I think uh, I'm finding it so difficult to split them. They've both got some nice form pieces from last season going to this season. If I put my neck on the line and go for one, I'll just go for on the slopes just. I think Adam Wedge is a fantastic jockey booking. Probably one of the most underrated jump jockeys in the weighing room, in my opinion. I think he's a fantastic jockey. Just a really good rider in general. But, yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to go for on the slopes just to edge it if I had to go for one. Yes. Are we making it a hat-trick, Jimbo? You can't desert our boy, surely. Oh, for sure. It's going to be a hat-trick. I think uh, last time at Kempton, um, the drop back to two miles was certainly no problem. And, and we know the, the sharpness of Kempton that that is. He has been campaigned over two mile five, two mile four um, for quite a while now. Um, very rarely seen him over 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 uh, the, the minimum distance. Having been a point-to-pointer originally, uh, he does have a hell of a lot of speed, uh, and I, I think that two mile around Cheltenham, perfect for him. His stamina will be able to be kicked into play and uh, also be able to use a bit of his speed throughout. Uh, you mentioned Rouge Viff. You have to respect him being third in the Arkle. All of it, who knows what that Arkle really is this season. Um, like most seasons, a bit of a head-scratcher. But I, I think that in this handicap, I think on the slopes, uh, getting weight off Rouge Viff, I think on the slopes could be very progressive this season, and, and probably I can see him being into a, a group race animal towards the end of the season. I hope so, mate. Who raises the main danger for you? I, I like the chances of a horse that I've fallen a bit off the cliff with, and uh, as we know, Tom Cannon normally rides on the slopes, uh, but he gets aboard Ballywood here, yes. who, who made a nice seasonal reappearance behind Beat the Judge who's also in here. Uh, Ashitor was in third and uh, he'd been making hay throughout the summer uh, uh, as well and uh, I thought it was a nice introduction back to racing for Ballywood. He was kept towards the rear, jumped well enough for me. Um, was never going to ever in the race really to challenge Beat the Judge but um, he, he, he he sort of it was a big eye catcher for me for for many a season. That watching him make his uh, chasing debuts last season, and uh, well over the past couple of seasons, uh, he's progressed nicely throughout his races. Uh, and I just feel like one day he'll just pop up in a handicap. He's also entered in the old run on Sunday as well. Uh, but he's a horse I've got a lot of time for, and he's bumped into a lot of nice horses: Dynamite Dollars, Secret Investor. Uh, Cape land all of Paul Nichols' top class uh, two mile chases and I feel like one day he's going to pop up in a handicap and I, I think there's a bit of value in him at 11s if I'm being honest Yeah, went well at the Cheltenham Festival did Ballywood finish 6th in the Grand Annual Rouge Vifjim I know Luca mentioned him, he was 3rd in the Arkle 
Into a handicap, what do you make of him? He's not a horse that's exactly captured my imagination throughout his career. Man. I know he's had some cracking performances. He's bumped into uh, Mr Fisher, Felix Deji, Windsor Avenue in his past. And, and since going over fences, um, he made a nice start to his career at, at market raising in, in what at the time I thought was a, a fairly nice race. Um, I mean, he's a bit of a hit and miss horse. I do have a slight problem with his jumping. I don't think he's that efficient over uh, his fences. I, I, I feel like he could put an extra stride in. I feel like on the slopes, jumping's more assured, and Rouge Vif can, can make the occasional error. Fair enough, mate. I, I like on the slopes. I think he'll win this. For me, the danger could come from beat the judge, who I, I didn't mind as a hurdler. Wasn't a poor juvenile, to be fair. He was second in the Adonis behind Fusel Raffles as a, as a four-year-old. Novice chasing this season wasn't a mile off beating Longhouse Sale on his first start and has then won the next twice, like Jim said, beating Ashutor at Newton Abbott and then Ballywood at Fontwell. Comes here off a mark of 142. Potentially a little bit more juice in that. But if I'm honest, I, I, I really hope the Fav wins this. I think 143 is so workable for him. On the Slopes podcast army, we started it last year. It's carrying on into 2020-21. Up the boy. Uh, on the Saturday... Can we not just mention that uh, last course. race at Cheltenham on the Friday? Of course, mate. Sorry. I've jumped ahead. I've jumped ahead. Go on. Got too excited with all this tremendous jump action. <laughs> you want to talk about the conditional jockey's hurdle, Jim, because it's something you're quite keen on. Uh, well, um, I think Luke is more, more keen on one than me. Oh, can uh, I can do that again? Sorry, I fucked that completely. Jim. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's Clemencia's race. I should know. I fucking work for the trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Slap on the wrist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right, I can't lose back I'll, that. Sorry, mate. I'll do that before we move on. No worry. I'll, I'll go to Luca. I'll say. I'll ask him if there's anything else on the on the Friday he wants to talk about. Three, two, one. Before we move on to the Saturday, is there anything else you want to mention on the Friday at Cheltenham, Luca? I think we've got to look at the last race, the conditionals, uh, handy, I think it's a handicap hurdle to final race. Clemenzia, he's been a horse who I've been excited about for a while now. I was at Tim Vaughan's uh, in around sort of mid-September and I spoke to him about Clemenzia. Finished fifth in the Fred Winter at a huge price on his stable debut. Had some smart Irish form last year as well. I think he bumped into a Spire Tower who finished second in the Triumph Hurdle uh, just before Christmas, I do believe it was. He's a very smart horse, and I think dropping into a handicap is a nice starting point for him to, for this season. I know Tim Vaughan is very excited about him, is looking forward to him. Charlie Price on board, a very capable pilot as well. And I think in this type of race, he'll take a lot of beating. Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm involved with, with the Vaughan and I love this horse. I really, really do. Ran really, really well over C&D in the Fred Winter uh, last season. Finished fifth. Oh, another stride he'd have been in the frame. Another strider they've been in the frame, like Lucas said, mixed it in group grade ones in Ireland, the wave of the sea, beating him in a spire tower. This, you know, that's rock solid form. We, we've got a couple from Brendan Duke's yard who were with Brendan Duke in Ireland. This lad's, well, on everything he's shown so far, is the best of them. Uh, 
really funny horse as well. We've got some belting photos of him with his tongue out. He loves pulling the face. Uh, 20 to 1. He's a really, really decent price. Un- uh, off a rating of 134. I'm with you on that. Up team TVR. Uh, also on the, on the Friday, just run through. Ash for Glory goes in the initial... The first Ballymore novices hurdle of the season. I promised myself I wasn't going to moan about it this year. But you should do, because it's crap. I mean, just... What's the point of having a, a festival named... What's the point of having a race named at the festival, the Ballymore Novices Hurdle, when there's another eight of them during the season? Pathetic. It's awful. <laughs> at, least put, at least call it like the Ballymore October Novices Hurdle. You know what I mean? They're a all like the same race, aren't they? A little bit of differentiation. No, I don't like it, uh, but that could be a nice horse for Paul Nichols. Uh, Fusel Raffles is in the Crisps Novice Chase. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, to be fair, if I've give Ballymore, if I've give Ballymore a shout out for their shite naming, I will give the actual brand name Two Farmers Crisps a shout out as well. I'm not paid by anyone to do this, so I don't know why I bother. But uh, he's in there against Getaway Trump. Fusel Raffles is also entered on the Saturday, though, so we're not sure where he's turning up. And Champagne Super over the nice pump horse of Ollie Murphy's takes on Pipe Smoker in the Maiden Hurdle, who ran really well a couple of times for Nicky Henderson. That's a decent little affair. The Saturday, then. And we're going to start with the first race on the card, the 205, the Masterson's Holding Hurdle for four-year-olds. Good race, this and they bet best prices five to two all mankind five to one psycho eleven to two grand ra now with Gordon Elliott six to one stratagem Botox has a Monte Cristo twelve to one bar we don't have final decks yet Luca but where are you leaning at this stage I mean obviously straight away all mankind jumps out with a horse who last year just looked an absolute freak when he won at Chepstow he just pulled like a cart all the way round but still had the energy to finish off his race on soft ground. Uh, at Cheltenham last time he sort of cut his throat too early trying to get into a match race with Goshen and it sort of just really petered out going up the hill he did he's a horse so if he comes here he could really possibly emerge into a champion hurdle contender he's still only four though so he's still going to have plenty of time on his side Nordano's an interesting one for me the Neil King horse number nine here entered I was at Ascot when he won a competitive looking handicap on softish ground when I think it was Aidan Coleman that day just went from the front and he didn't see another rival he's a horse who was last seen on the flat, but look at that Ascot race. Garrow de Jouy was in behind, who ties in with the Imperial War and simply the bets form. My place at midnight as well as a smart horse, but he could be one at a bigger price who might be a little bit of value in what looks possibly a, a race between uh, Botox and All Mankind. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Luca. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of All Mankind. Thought thought it looked a little bit monstrous earlier on in the season. and Look, he's... He's the obvious one at the top of the betting. He's a favourite. He's third in the triumph. He's probably backs up that his form is the strongest in this race. Botox has, like you said, very, very solid. You know, gave all mankind a race at the uh, Pet Victor meeting or the Open meeting or whatever they call it nowadays uh, last November. He could be a dangerous stratagem. Very, very interesting. For Paul Nichols, the David Maxwell-owned horse. 
obviously a winner at Artoy on his first start. Then he got turned over at fairly short odds at Bangor, but then bounced back and absolutely danced up in a small field affair at Kelso. I'd wager that the Kelso showing was a more realistic performance than what we saw at Bangor. And you liked to cycle and grow well last season, Jim. Yeah, two horses have got a lot of time for. Um, we saw Sir Cycle make his seasonal reappearance at Chepstow. Um, finished fifth behind T Clipper. That that day was over two mile four. Um, being juvenile last season, most races are two miles, and he was campaigned over that. And I just think the step up in trip sort of found him out a bit really last time, and he didn't jump as well as what I remember. Um, when he won the Victor Ladorum at Haydock, he jumped them into submission and he jumped perfectly. Um, however, uh, in the Chepstow race, he just seemed to just fiddle a few, and that's I, I don't exactly know why. That's, that's my only slight worry, but step back in trip back down to two miles will certainly suit him. Grand Rye, uh, last season I, I thought uh, he was a pretty exciting horse to, to go to battle with. Uh, we saw him in the two mid hurdle and juvenile hurdle, uh, and he made easy work of that. All of it, small fields and, and nothing special, but it was more the the manner that he did him and uh, and the impressive nature. He's got an entry in a Grade Three on the twenty fifth as well, uh, which I wouldn't be surprised if they go there because I think he doesn't carry as much weight because he's a Grade Three in Ireland. I think. Um, and also, it's a. I think that's slightly easier race because I, I do think All Mankind is, uh, last season sets the bar. But I'd be willing to just watch him run before. I, I, as you know, Luca mentioned he's quite headstrong and um, likes to go from the front. And I'm going to put him in the fruitcake bracket. Um, but and I, I'm willing to watch All Mankind, but he could absolutely hose up here. Yeah, fair enough, mate. I'm not sure whether I'm quite with you on Sasaiko. I just think he's a little bit one-paced. Maybe if the ground was deep. But against a horse like Sasaiko, sorry, against a horse like All Mankind, not sure whether that will suit him. A horse who's really going to make a good go of it, whether he might find himself uh, almost blowing out of his arse early on. Uh, the Fav for me, the same for Luca. Yeah, all mankind for me. If I was gonna, yeah, be all mankind. And if you push Jim, Sasaiko. Oh, taking each other on there. Now that I've slated his pick, <laughs> we love it. Uh, Fusel Raffles is in the two forty, as is Southfield Stone, John Sonsi, Pylon. Not that fleece, cool Cody, painting the dream. Really decent race. That a little bit hard to analyse, given that a lot of it revolves around Fusel Raffles, and he's also in on the Friday, so we're going to move swiftly over that, even though there's a lot of nice types entered, not sure how many will stand the ground, to be fair. Uh, there's a Potemps qualifier at, three, at 3.15, for which Copperhead is 7-1 to favourite. My mate, to be fair, in there at 10s, he absolutely loves Cheltenham. Jimmy's unhappy with Potemps. Oh, I think it's a pointless, it really, really winds me up. And I'm willing for people to slate me for slating Potemps. But you don't know, A, you don't know what horse he's going to go for what. B, you don't know if they're going to try or just try and finish sixth. And C, why why, why haven't they got rid of that at Cheltenham? Because staying, a staying handicap hurdle is different. They're in another one. 
I don't have I don't have any time for it. it it's a, it's a nice race. Horses use it to come back before the season before going chasing, and to be fair, always runs third or fourth or gets his head in front. That's all. That's all I care about. A very very unconvincing argument there from Mister Watson in favour of getting rid of the attempts. Definitely not convinced. Uh, a better race is the 350, the matchbook betting exchange handicap chase. A lovely, lovely staying handicap. Over three miles and a furlong, and the best price is six to one man of the mountain for Emma Lavelle. Seven to one Frodon and Cogre. I love that Frodon and Cogre are running in the same race. Spectacular, isn't it? I love that. That's why jump season is brilliant. Jumps racing is brilliant. Tens West approach. Show Bay, Cloth Cap and Fortescue. Twelves, Captain Chaos. Fourteens, Walk in the Mill and Bob Marler. Sixteens, Cobra de May. Trentulano, perfect candidate, who I was certain was retired. Sixteen, Caltex and very first time. Twenties, the Outsiders doing fine and Vivas. Really, really good races, Luca. I'm looking forward to this. What are your thoughts at this stage of the four-day entries? I think my first horse to talk about would be walking the mill I think this will be a uh, a trial or sorry a, 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 a stepping stone for the beach chase in December and hopefully after that he'll uh, hopefully kick on towards the Grand National he's a horse who thrives around Aintree and I expect that to be his biggest target this season Frodon in the Ryanair in, in, at the Cheltenham just festival just gone was taken on quite early for the lead and it sort of really finished him off quite early on when if you compare that to the 2019 he had a lovely got into a lovely rhythm alongside Acer and was able to dictate affairs I think if you're going to beat Frodon, going up on the lead alongside him, putting pressure on him could be is a way to beat him. I think that's a chink in his armour there. It's a tough race to start the season off with. Cogbury likes Cheltenham. He's got some nice Cheltenham form too. I'm struggling to go with one here. I'm just going to, if I had to really pick one, I'd be I'd stick my neck out the line and say Frodon. But at the moment with the four day decks, it's looking competitive, and you're not too sure what's going to stand your ground, what's going to stand its ground. But I'll just go just go, I'll go with Frodon. I think he's the classiest horse in the race and. Obviously, he's not going to be at his best straight away, but we all know he's a Ryanair winner. Yeah, fascinated to see him turn up in a handicap chase off 161. He ran in the old role last year, if I remember rightly. I know they wanted to campaign him over three miles last season. Wasn't awful in the Ryanair. Once he wasn't able to dominate, it was never really going to go his way. Don't think he disgraced himself, though. Look... We all know I have feelings for Cogre, and I have feelings for Captain Chaos. <laughs> so, ideally, they dead heat and win. <laughs> if uh, only racing was that simple. If only racing was that simple. I almost picked a fucking dead heat in the county hurdle as well at the Cheltenham Festival, and that bastard Willie Mullins had a plot job off 138 who was going to win the champion hurdle next season. Nightmare. Uh this is the sort of race Cogley runs well in. There's nothing, there's not particularly much else to say. We all know about him. He's 11 now, particularly well exposed. But like Lucas said, he loves it. He loves it around here. Really consistent. Third in this race last year behind the conditional and West approach, who's back again <laughs> for another crack and probably goes off favourite knowing him. Uh, Captain Chaos absolutely dominated the Grimthorpe. Last time, one by fifty-four lengths. Now, obviously, that was on a 
abysmal ground, and only two other ones got round. But I was I really liked what he did at Warwick the time before as well. One four two is a steep mark for him. But I hope he's up to it. I'd love to see him get a run in a national. And there's the mention, if you were wondering for when it were gonna come. Uh Man of the Mountain is probably the least exposed in this. Heads are betting the winner at Bangor last time where he beat Captain Tommy and Beebold. Winner of all four of his last completed starts, Jim Lowe for Emma Lavelle. Yeah, very, very, very progressive. Um, he goes on all sorts of ground, staying chase. He seems to be baggies one over three mile, two mile seven, three mile two, all on varying ground from good to good to soft to soft. Um, he's interesting in this. Um, we've seen him at more flatter, more speedier sort of tracks, and I, I think approach with caution going towards Cheltenham. Um, nothing against Taunton or your your Newton Abbotsy banger, but you, you need a bit more speed and the jumps aren't quite as much as what they are at, at Cheltenham and I'm not exactly fully sold on, on his jumping just of yet. Um, one at a price that I quite like in this, Bob Marler. I thought he ran really well uh, in the Kim Muir last season, finished third behind Milan Native, uh, having prior to that won the Edinburgh National. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, just kept on galloping over a marathon distance and he ran in this race last season and, well, it didn't last very long. He made plenty of mistakes and uh, wasn't quite travelling. But prior to that, he's done well in the past on his uh, seasonal reappearances. Um, it's only last year and he seemed to get his act together further on in the season. But I think 14 to one's a nice enough price about a horse that's finished second behind Baldmere, who was a decent novice chaser last season, and Creed Hill. Uh, at Haydock uh, last season and uh, staying's the, the aim of the game and uh, if the ground's a bit softer I think that'll certainly suit him but um, I think 14 to 1's a nice price about him Yeah I'm, I'm a general fan of Bob Marler he's a, he's a horse I have a, a fair bit of time for I just wonder whether even on soft softish ground with a free one round Cheltenham is a little bit on the sharp side for him Really really fascinating race I'm before we go away because I know I know we have a little bit of a giggle about West approach. Can he actually win one this time, James? Tizard horses aren't exactly going that well, are they? Um, that would be a slight negative for me. Um, as much as I'm arguably the biggest campaigner of all Tizard horses, um, he's going to pop up one day, isn't he? And we saw him. You saw him in that group three last season. Uh, grade three, sorry. Um, saw him, well, put the field to bed decisively. He's a difficult ride, and Robbie Power gets on really well with him. Um, you presume he rides here, and you couldn't rule him out, but he's a risk. You'd rather back him now at tens than you would in three days' time at four to one. I agree with that completely. Anything else from you, Luke, on this staying handicap? I mean, we're talking about West's approach. I'm looking at the race. Captain Chaos from Friday were to um, run on Saturday. The, the race could possibly set up for the West Approach, the smooth traveller, and he could get a strong pace to Wang Matt and come off the pace. He's, we saw in the race last year, he, he travelled into, into the race really smoothly and come second. But I think if Captain Chaos from Frodon do enter and they get and there's a good pace to Wang Matt, he could still be in there coming down the hill. It could be an interesting one. Yeah, he's, look, he, he's, he's up to a mark of 147 now. 
and I can see why people still might think that's a little bit workable. You know, he's he's a horse who when when he looks good, he looks quite decent. You know, he, he when he wins, he he tends to do it in decent style visually. He doesn't not not by too far like, but he's quite a taking performer when he gets the job done. But maybe that's because there's so many other times where he doesn't look good that you are a little bit more impressed with him when he actually does. I'm not sure how much sense that made, but I know what I'm on about. <laughs> uh, Captain Chaos and Colby Dead Heat for me. Uh, no, be, being serious. It, it probably it probably will be Cogre. Probably the grand be, old age of 11. Yeah, to go with another race like this. Although I've not mentioned Shoal Bay, who is a nice animal. Uh, for Colin Tizard, I know you mentioned you weren't keen on the form of the Tizard, yeah, but he beat a decent horse of Rebecca Curtis's relentless dreamer at Ludlow earlier in this earlier this month. Jim, where would you land? Bob Marlow? Yeah, I'll take a punt. It's not a race I'm entirely enthused about, but I respect Fraud and Cogre West approach, but I just feel like Bob Marlow is probably the value for me. And for you, Luca? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm just going to stick with Froden. It's a race that it's a it's a it's a tricky little contest, and it's a race that I'm not really. It's, it's, I'm just going to stick with Froden on this on this occasion. Top weight, but tough horse. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with Froden. Is this more impressive if he wins this off one six four? Is it more impressive than him winning the Caspian Caviar off one six four? Yes, it is. I agree. Do it doing a doing a three mile handicap chase first time out of this weight against some seasoned stayers. Big effort from the Nichols horse if he gets the job done. Impossible not to like him. Final point on this, Jim, even though we've given the selections, I need to ask you, do you like the name of Man in the Mountain? He is out of Woman of the Mountain. No. So uncreative. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, also on the Saturday at Cheltenham. The 4.25 is a novice hurdle. Uh, Southfield Harvest, who's one of my six to follow for Cheltenham Talk, he's in that looks like a potentially decent future staying chaser from the Paul Nichols team. Won at Ludlow on his last start last season. He's one to keep on side. Not sure whether he comes here, but I like him. Uh, there's an amateur rider handicap chase, probably the most familiar name in that is good old Dawson City who's back out for another year Polly Gundry's horse and then there's a bumper at the end uh, the Sunday the feature races of course the old Rome Chase at Aintree like we said nothing particularly decked at the minute but they bet best prices 5-1 to one, Itchy Feet 8-1 Janica and Magic Saint 9's Magic Shadow 10's Condor Castle, Old Grangewood. 12's last year's winner, Forrest Behan and Annie Mack. 14's Creefield Imperial Presence, Vision de Flow and Ballywood. 16 to 1 bar them. I really like the old Rowan James as a race in general. And on paper, it's shaping up to be a decent one if the top ones stand the ground. Yeah, you, you look at itchy feet heading the market. Um, we saw him unseat in the marsh last season, um, having put up a well, a, a good performance in in the Silly Isles. Um, 
stayed on strongly in the end and he he done all right since since going to fences having won prior to that as well all of it. It was a bit of a schooling session around Leicester. But running this three starts over fences and uh, moving to this looks like it, it's a logical move and off a mark of one three uh, one five four I think's generous enough and it's a winnable handicap chase for him. Uh five to one's a nice enough price I think and uh deserves his his place at the top of the market. Um Midnight Shadow's a horse I've got a lot of time for. Um we saw him become the beneficiary of of a chomp fall in in the dipper. Um uh, he's then run with credit throughout then bumping into uh itchy feet in in one of them performances. Um he gets he gets um five pounds off him, off him here, which might seem just reverse the tables. Um he doesn't necessarily go well fresh, but you presume that Sue Smith had have him fairly tuned up for this is it's a it's a right race. Um and he's probably where I go at this moment in time at nine to one. I think that's a, a fair enough price and a bit of each way value. Yeah, mate, I, I don't think I'm particularly against what you've said there. Luca, where would you start with the old run? Well, there's a couple of interesting contenders here. Obviously, Itchy Feet, we've discussed already. That Ollie Murphy at Cheltenham this past year, it's, everything seems to go wrong for him. Brewing up a storm came, came down in the arc, or Itchy Feet came down in the marsh, and, and Scandy Berg just didn't really seem to run a race in the attempts either, but I'm drawn to the really super here, a horse who turned the summer plate at market race into a procession. Amy Murphy has really done a fantastic job with this horse. Hurdles, all weather, and now over fences too. I'll draw a line over, I'll draw a line for his last run at Stratford last time. Came out at Chelmsford last time out and won on the weather. Look, she's a, a, a tough horse, and on her day, she could run a, a massive race. It looks like she will end up here, judging from the owners and, and things on social media. She will, will probably end up here. And... I think she could be a bigger price, but I think she could be one who, who's really good value and could be a horse only six years old who could be open to some progression in these type of races throughout the course of the season. Yeah, really interesting that we're both liking horses from uh, coming off novice chasing campaigns last year. I like Midnight Shadow in general, Jim, but I, I, I kind of struggled to see where the tables are turned with Itchy Feet from the Silly Isles, given that Itchy Feet was only there on his second chase start, we didn't really get to see what he was capable of in the marsh. And I think 154 could be a particularly tasty opening mark for him. I wouldn't class myself as a itchy feet fanboy. I know there are, there are a lot of people who were really, really taken with him after the Silly Isles. I was a little bit more lukewarm. But in my head, he should be better than a 154 horse. And therefore... I think he's a likeliest winner of this. You're going down the field, the likes of Janica, Magic Sate, being around for a while. Janica had a really good campaign last year, deserved his winning the Holden Gold Cup. Just kind of makes life hard for himself by running so consistently, though, in the grip of the handicapper, in my opinion, off 162. Magic Saint, again, back up in trip. We've not seen him since New Year's Day. Not quite for me at the minute. Just something... Just not quite for me. I I can't put my finger on on what it is is with him over this trip. But I'm... He's a sort of horse who, when when he's ran over two miles, and I know his last win came over two miles, 
But when he runs over two miles, I think he needs two and a half more than I do when he actually runs over two and a half. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. <laughs> Look, Paul Nichols could make me look a right mug here, but I'm just not quite in the Magic Saint camp. I'd rather be with Midnight Shadow at a similar price than either of those two. Clondor Castle uh, ended last season winning as well. I liked him for the Arkle uh, two years ago. Didn't quite work out. He's probably probably better over this trip nowadays. Though. He's interesting off 149, but really I, f- I think the favourite should win this. Uh, itchy feet for me, Luca. I'm going to stick with really super. I think she's, she could be a horse who could be having some more progression throughout the course of the season, hopefully. 25 to 1. We love that. We love a big price win. And Jim? Or, uh, midnight Shadow to reverse, reverse the tables with it, two feet. We like it. We like it. There is also a group on flat race at the weekend. Uh, the final one in Britain of the season. And it's back on. The turf after being run on the all-weather last year. The Virgin Futurity Trophy. I mean, last year it was Aidan O'Brien versus one someone else, wasn't it? Initially, when it was down to beat Donny, were there not like five or six O'Brien horses and then one Andrew Balding horse? Yeah, I think, I think was it was it not Camico? Was it, it Camico? Yeah, it was. was. For his ground. And yeah. then, yeah. And then went and won the race on the all-weather. This year, Aidan O'Brien has the favourite once again, the Dewhurst runner-up Wembley. Is five to two, seven to two, one ruler, seven to one King Vega and La Barossa, eight to one State of Rest, nine's Bolshoi Ballet, ten's Megalan and Van Gogh, twelve to one Bar them. Jim, I've struggled to get a grasp of this season's two year olds, to be honest. It's a race I'm struggling to dissect myself. Are you doing any better? Well, I think it's it's an interesting renewal this year because obviously we don't have the standout in the division, so we are sort of crying out for something. I know St Mark's Basilica won the Jewers the other week, but I tell you what, Wembley was arguably the most eye-catching horse of the season. I know he'd he'd had a fairly tough campaign already throughout the season, and uh, he bumped into Thunder Moon in the National Stakes and wasn't quite good enough that day. But the soft ground really saw him in good good effect in the Dewhurst last time. Finished the best. He was on completely the wrong side of the track. Um, the way the races were coming, they were all going up the near side at Newmarket or the rail. He was drawn out on the wing and uh, was always outpaced and absolutely flew home. And 5-2 obviously represents good value, I think, for me. But I don't... It's not that I've got anything against him. I do think he has the best form in the race, but I do feel like there's something, there's some that are in behind that have had less runs and could probably put up a better performance than what we've seen so far. Um, the Godolphin duo, Labarossa and one ruler, haven't really done an awful lot wrong. I thought Labarossa was quite workmanlike in the Tattersall Stakes last time. Um, stayed on well in the end and looked like the step up of Furlong would certainly help him in, in that case. And one ruler surprised me in the autumn stakes, having been, I was slightly disappointed with him in the Flying Scotsman, but the former that's turned out to be fairly well seen new mandate come out and win the Royal Lodge since. Um, so I respect them, them two in the market as well. But the horse that I've got a bit of a soft spot for so far, and he's bumped into two nice horses in two, in two maidens is King Vega. Um, for Andrew Baldin, who we saw won this race last year. Um, 
he bumps into Yabir uh, on his seasonal appearance and uh, Yabir quite clearly knew his job a lot, a lot more than having had two runs previously to that um, made all dictated the pace and King Vega was a bit jig-joggy before the start and um, he was always up there but and he stayed on well towards the finish but he, he was never going to get to Yabir because he, he didn't have a clue what he was doing um, and then he bumped into Etonian in the Solario, um, which I thought was a good performance. Etonian didn't quite show what we wanted to, him to in the in the duos, but I'm willing to put a line through that. Uh, having won impressively, beating one ruler uh, on his on his seasonal uh, on his first ever start. Sorry. So I, I think King King Ve- King Vega just got stuck behind uh, Etonian and. Um, the sort of race collapsed in front of him while Atonian went round the outside. Um, he was just, he was just behind the, the the leaders and just couldn't quite uh, get a clear run. And the winner had won his race on the outside. He'd already kicked for home, and he he stayed on well towards the finish. Um, and I th- I just feel like he's been slightly unlucky in his last two starts. And I'm looking forward to him stepping up to a mile. We've seen him at seven furlongs twice at Sandown, and I think seven to one's a nice price about him. And I'm quite hot on him for this. I, 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 he's a horse that I've got a lot of time for, and I'm hoping he can put in, put in a big performance uh, under O'Shea Murphy and uh, Andrew Balding, and hopefully seven to one's a, a good price for you. Yeah, interesting. I like another one at seven to one, Jim. Uh, La Barossa, the Lot de Vega for Charlie Appleby, won the Somerville Tatsals last time out from Dark Lion who is quite a consistent type for Roger Varian I know he disappointed in Sean T since but prior to that has, has been doing uh, decent racing really he was beating a, f- a fair amount of exposed horses there like we say Dark Lion is we, we, we know where we're at with him he's a useful yardstick similar enough sentiments to Carter and Yazaman early season two year olds but Labarotta got the worst run through there and still got the job done clear in a way. Sent off 7-4 to four on favourite, which says to me, obviously, the Appleby team think a lot of him. <laughs> in a race where there's not particularly many sexy ones at the top of the market, I'm surprised he's 7-1 to one because he's unbeaten in two. And therefore, he might be slightly overpriced. I think that I also like one ruler, the other Godolphin and Charlie Appleby horse who beat Van Gogh in the Autumn Stakes earlier this month. Obviously, that in basic form terms, the best the best of these is Wembley, who came close to winning a Dewhurst last time out. If he replicates that, he should win. But he doesn't win very much, does he? No. He doesn't win very much, and maybe he was. You know, symptomatic of Aiden O'Brien saying his two-year-old had a slow start. It took him four turns to win a race. I wouldn't be surprised if Wembley won, but I'm not sure whether five to two is a little bit shorter than I'd like. It's not a race I'm particularly... I wouldn't be betting in it. Although I would say the horse I think might end up being the best long-term prospect in this is Bolshoi Ballet of Aiden O'Brien, who's nine to one. The issue would be this would be his third start in a month. Mm. You know, but I really liked his maiden win at Leopardstown last week. 
I hope he ends up being a decent animal. I'm just not sure whether they'll run him here. And if they do, you know, to make, to make your debut on the 3rd of October and then have three ones culminating in a group one <laughs> less than three weeks later, I mean, he'll be made of proper stuff like us if he turns up and gets the job done. Uh, Luke, you're, you're a jumps man, but do you have a brief comment on this? If I'm honest, not really. It's a race that I've not really had much interest in. Yeah, I've not got much to say, really. Me, a small comment that could be made about Wembley. I was watching the uh, the Dewhurst at, at Chepstow on the big screen. I was really impressed with how he ran. And if I had to go with one, I'd just probably go with Wembley off the back of that run. Yeah, I kind of wish I could say that as well, Luca. If I'm honest, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather I was able to gloss over this race because it's one I, I, I don't have. It'd be a 0.5 star bet if I were to do one at all. I just, I'm, I, I'm so bad at the two-year-olds this season. Everything I say tends to go wrong with them. Uh, so I believe in it well alone. Uh, other general stuff at the weekend. There's a veterans chase on Aintree on the Sunday. Uh, Don Polly's entered there, so that should be fun. Uh, Fury Rhodes entered at Galway in the Grade 3 hurdle. He's a really decent horse. Jim mentioned Decor Eel on day earlier. He's in there as his beacon edge. And Manella Melody, if they stand the ground, that's a tidy little race. Uh, the Bosses Oscar runs at Furless on Thursday. Again, might he be a member of the Turf Talk 12? Who knows? We're seeing the good ones out, though. RTR nap time. Jim, I'll come to you first. Um, my nap uh, of the weekend will come with the horse that we all fancy is on the slopes in oh, the 3.35 on <laughs> Friday. Um, really like the chances of him. My next best will come on Saturday at Doncaster. Uh, in the Virgin Futurity, uh, and it will be on King Vega. Uh, really like the chances of him. I think he's he's got a, a, a serious chance uh, if he lines up. And my other one will be on Sunday. Sizable Sam's got two um, got two entries uh, at Aintree and Wincanton, and he will be turning up to either of them. Love it, mate. Love it, Luca. A napper next best on the reserve, please, pal. My nap, I'm going to go with Frodon. Look, it's a big ask off top weight and a three-mile handicap against some seasoned campaigners. But, look, he's got the class of Rhino winner um, two years ago. And if he's only, and Paul Nichols also at the moment, they're coming out. They're looking quite good on their first couple of runs. We saw at Chepstow at the Persian War meeting, he sort of really mopped up and farmed it, really. So, if Frodon can, can come out and show that he's and he, and he's sort of anywhere near that Ryan Air form, at least, then he should take a lot of beating here. My next best, I'm going to go with Clemenza at a huge price, a bigger price in the conditionals race on the Friday. I think if he can replicate something similar to the Fred Winter form over course of distance as well in a lesser, comp, lesser in, a, in a lesser race, he will probably go close, and I think he'll be one to look forward to over the course of the season. And possibly the final horse I might look at is to be fair in the Potemps uh, qualifier. Jack Tudor on board is a very eye-catching jockey booking. In my opinion. He, Probably the best conditional, I think, at the moment. I think he'll have a good season. Will be in that mix of champion conditional this season. Takes £5 off, which I think he's absolutely stealing £5 at the moment. And I think he'll want a, a consistent race again at Cheltenham. Yeah, we'll all be cheering him on. Apart from James Watson, who'll be sitting in the corner. 
cursing at attempts in protest. Unfortunately, you two have stolen my nap and my next press because it was going to be on the slopes and Clemencia. <laughs> which makes me look immensely boring. If I were to put something else up, I'd just kind of be scrambling. Uh, a reserve, though, will come on the flat in the Horace Hill uh, Lana Cash for Roger Varian. He's up against Cove, who's a horse I still have a lot of time for. But Lana Cash's narrow, narrow second to new mandate at Donny is the best form in this. Look, one ruler second for a group one, and Lana, less I can for a group one, sorry, on the same day. And Lana Cash finished well ahead of him last time out. He's seven to four to win that group three two year old race. So he goes in as the reserve. Uh, we're recording the jump season preview proper tomorrow with Liam Dye from Rating the Races. Really looking forward to that. Luke has got one for the Turf Talk 12 as well. We won't spoil who that is yet. Uh, the one I was going to put up was Kisses for Katie. I changed my mind because I didn't, I didn't want to uh, be talking about a horse who had already made the seasonal debut. And she finished stone last today. <laughs> so the fixture list has treated me very, very kindly with that. Hopefully I'll come up with something a little bit better on the day itself. Uh, thanks to Luca for joining us. It's Thank been you a pleasure having me. you on, mate. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Always welcome, pal. Uh, thank you to a lesser degree to James Watson. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been <laughs> nice, to, nice to have Luca on. Nice to have a different voice for a change. Oh. <laughs> uh, and thanks for rating the race for all the support. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, up the jumps. See you later. See you later.